a warning. <laughs> if any of you all are thinking of watching Earth to Rule, this is a very kind of like a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime <laughs> commitment. There's a serious uh, number of episodes. What Today on Mind Matters, we're going to talk about stories, specifically modern narratives that we can find in TV, movies, novels too. There's a tendency to depict what I'd call the dark aspects of human nature, and of course that can provide for some great material, but sometimes I think that darkness kind of overshadows the light, and what I mean specifically by that is what I see as a an extreme cynicism in the portrayal of just humans and characters that we see in the movies. And it's not just cyni- it's not just cynicism and this kind of darkness. There's also a trend to what I'd consider relatively one-dimensional or two-dimensional characters um, with very shallow emotions, shallow characters, shallow personalities. Now, this isn't true across the board. Um, there are plenty of great characters if you if you look for them, but still there seems to be a trend over the past you know five ten years I don't know maybe longer that I think is rooted partly in just the attempt for higher and higher degrees of realism um, because we don't want to present like rosy perfect people we want to show them and with all their flaws and make them totally human right totally relatable even though. Really, most characters that you see in movies and TV shows aren't relatable at all. They're usually in entirely different circumstances, and you're looking at some of the most beautiful people on the on the face of the planet. Um, so there's this weird kind of disconnect where they're where characters are supposed to be relatable, but at the same time, there there's something about them that is unattainable. On the one hand, they're supposed to be they're not supposed to be that uh, that one in a million person, what I mean by that, like, uh, say like a hero, a person with a really strong character, like one of those people that is just the kind of the admiration of everyone that knows him or her, that's a a very rare person. So they say, well, those people are rare. We don't want to show those people. We want to show real people with very apparent flaws, but they're showing them again with a, a Hollywood actor who is also a one in a million in a, in just in a different category. So you have these Primarily extremely beautiful people playing extremely flawed characters or just shallow characters that don't really have much depth to them. So it makes for a weird, uh, a weird combination. But the, the main thing that strikes me is that kind of those two features. There is this cynical, uh, well, it's realism bordering on cynicism that, uh, kind of humans are total crap and, uh, with no redeeming qualities, but when there are redeeming qualities, they're not, I wouldn't say they're really very often redeeming. It's more of just like, it's more of the superhero variety where you have uh, a heroic character who really has the, like, you know, the depth of a, a shallow like puddle that you'd step in with growing, going to work. Did you want to say something? Like that? Well, I was just going to, I was just thinking thimble. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, the, the problem with the representation of, heroes in cinema and in fiction and in TV shows um, would seem to be that uh, they are these unattainable um, figures that are uh, outside of the realm of um, 
what we would normally experience in terms of uh, interacting with normal people. Uh, by the same token, the hero uh, is this archetype after all, and is the hero precisely because this figure or character has aspired to uh, presumably fighting evil and injustice on a, another level, uh, which, which elevates their, their being or should elevate their being to our experience them of, of them in the story. And if they're not, if they're not exactly relatable, uh, in most of the normal ways, then they become these figures to aspire to in, in their courage, in their uh, perspectives, in their ability to see the larger uh, picture that perhaps those characters that they're surrounded by don't see. And along these lines, uh, we've recently, or not so recently, have come across a program uh, a Turkish television show uh, called Derilis Erderul, which is a, um, a program that has pretty much taken uh, the Islamic world and Pakistan and, and other countries of, uh, of Asia by storm. And uh, it's a historical drama, a heroic uh, journey, if you will, that follows uh, this character, Erderul, who lives in the uh, 13th century and is the head of, or one of the heads of a, a tribe of, of Turkish nomads and herdsmen who recognizes all of the injustice that's being perpetrated on his tribe and other tribes uh, in the form of crusaders and Mongols and even characters within his own tribe who are aspiring to positions of power and who are ruthless in their deceptions and in their attempts to, uh, to, to gain power at the expense of everyone around them. And we've been watching this program for some time now. Uh, it is... I think successful in our minds, not because we identify with the uh, espoused uh, religion, uh, Islam per se, but that Islam has become in the context of this show and the values that are kind of conveyed through it, a almost universal uh, value, which is tradition and um, protecting one's own and serving justice and fighting for uh, those who are being oppressed by these, by these incredibly dark forces that are constantly encroaching on the group. So that, that's a little bit of an introduction. We could say more about that and what we like about the show. Well, there's... Um... Yeah, like you were saying, there's there's a whole lot of good that it does, and to you know go into what Harrison was talking about uh, as a juxtaposition of Urtrul against the backdrop of Western cinema. 
it's very different in a lot of uh like in a cult- cultural aspects but also just in the value system like they don't they don't go into the the cynical like i don't know if it's a postmodernist thing like if that's being the the driving influence in western cinema or if it's something else um but instead of having uh the hyper realism bordering on cynicism as kind of like the backdrop of the story the story is about truth and it's about seeking truth and uh staying on the righteous path and and that's kind of the whole uh, struggle of Urtarul and his tribesmen um is trying to to stay on the righteous path to uh relieve the suffering of the oppressed um you know who are who are being oppressed by uh you know these mongolians and templars and even other muslims who are just trying to seek power uh for their own sake even though like they'll also say uh i like how they do this they'll like each of the the bad guys like each one of them has essentially like said, you know, I want this power, but then they'll also be like, because it's for the good of, you know, the tribe, it's for the good for of the greater good, for the greater good. I must be in total power and, you know, rule over everyone because I'm great and wonderful and it'll be good for everyone when really it's just, you know, it's all about themselves, but they still pay lip service to this. Uh, greater good which is what you know leaders are supposed to be doing is seeking to to do the greater good mm-hmm. uh, so it's an interesting contrast and i think it's really good and it works really well um, because it is uh, like james corbett was saying the most powerful weapon in the world is narrative mm-hmm. and i think that's really true and i think it really shows through in uh, urterul because he has this this story and this narrative of how he really is, and he does believe it because he he's sacrificing like his own ego and everything else to try and do what's best for his tribe and his clansmen and for the the Turkmen, the greater Turkmen tribes of the area. Right. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just I think it's great, and you should totally watch <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to relate this back to to this trend in in the Western narratives. I think, like I said right at the top, I don't have anything like I don't have anything against this cynicism like per se or the the hyper realism um like i love a show like the wire for instance I, you know i thought it was really well done but what i think is there's there's an imbalance going on because on the one hand you have this this hyper realism looking at all of the it's almost it's almost like a a, a telescopic or microscopic view of h- human flaws essentially and all the things that are wrong with us and I think that can serve a purpose. And within a story like that, where you have these totally flaws, flawed characters, when they make a good choice, that's like a mini moment of heroism, and that's a good thing. And it's 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 fun to watch. It's enjoyable to watch. Like there there are moments where um, you experience kind of uh, this kind of this inner uplifting and like release of emotion that that wouldn't happen without those circumstances to set it up. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand. I think every culture, every, yeah, I think every culture also needs, um, like a highly idealized story. And in the Western world, what we have for those these days is comic book movies with superheroes. And even though 
pretty much all the big block blockbusters are Hollywood superhero movies, and dozens of them come out a year. It seems like there those are the ones I ca I'd categorize as extremely shallow. The even the the heroic characters in them, they're they're kind of like shells of human beings. They're just kind of like placeholders. They're just they're cardboard cutouts. Um, if uh, I mean I might I might lose some. I might lose some likes for saying it, but I really don't like most of the Marvel movies. Like, I think I think they're kind of enjoyable as like some of them as like popcorn entertainment, but I think most of the characters are just like most of the characters are total crap. Except the the just like nerd nerd aside, the ones I do like are actually the com the the comedy ones, the the more funny ones like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, because well, I think those characters work better in a humor in a humor in a humorous or in a comedic setting because when you try to put them in serious situations like in a lot of the marvel movies like the avengers movies you have these ridiculous characters trying to act like serious human beings and it just doesn't work because they're ridiculous superheroes and their biggest emotional um, conflicts are like oh something's in my way and i can't get what i want so now i'm sad i'm sad superhero now and i'm I'm like I'm depressed, sad, mad superhero, and then the conflict, then the 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 obstacle get, gets moved away, and now they're you know flexing their arms and they're all, you know, doing their thing, and that's pretty much the extent of the the conflict. There's nothing. There there are no actually like deep emotional um, things going on with these characters. That they they pretty much have some you know contrived obstacle in front of them, and that's their conflict, and that's it. Um, which is doesn't really lead to any kind of. Um, it doesn't lead to that uplifting feeling. I mean, the the most the most uplifting feeling I get watching a superhero movie is just like it maybe like uh, a a well a well shot battle scene where things well and yeah. most of them aren't even well shot, but it's like oh there there's it looks like a comic book. Oh they're they're well they're well framed and they're all moving and doing this choreographed move and it's fun to look at, but there's nothing really to it. There's there there aren't really any stakes. And that's so we have this imbalance with the hyper hyper focused cynicism and flawed um, human nature next to this idealized but stereotyped and shallow portrayal of um, of an ideal of a hero and whatever whatever positives in the cynicism. In, in the cynical view, aren't balanced out by the positives in the heroic view because the, hero, the heroes are not really heroes. Whereas if you look at, um, like, one of the, what I think is one of the greatest, like, heroes in all of literature is, like, Odysseus. Mm -hmm. And Odysseus is, like, a, well, first of all, he's a total badass. And he, uh, but he's totally human at the same time. You see his, you see his flaws, but... You also see his depth, and you see the, the the conflicts and the sacrifices and the and his his craftiness and he's got so many qualities and characteristics and features and at the same time he is a superhero like um, the science fiction author Dan Simmons wrote this um, his kind of version of the Iliad and the Odyssey um, called. Il Ilium and Olympus, and you, and Odysseus plays a plays a role in there, and he's a character, and he's just a just a total badass. Like he's a great character, but so we had that. Like 
or we, you know, there, there have been, you know, Western civilization is kind of like, you know, amalgamated and taken over, you know, Greek, ancient Greek, like tropes and characters and all that stuff. But we still don't, we haven't really followed through on the, the promise of that. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying we've been, it's been like that for thousands of years because we have had great, great stories and great, um, you know, and real heroes, but they seem to be lacking today. So coming back to Urterul, there, there's something there that is, that is lacking because for, well, one way of putting this, we talked about Robin Collingwood in previous shows, a British philosopher, and he's got a book called The Principles of Art, which I quoted on a previous show, where he just, he's, he, he is, well, he's one of my favorite philosophers just because he's a, a great thinker and I like the way he breaks things down. But in his study on art, he basically wants to define what is art and what isn't art. And he ends up, you know, after hundreds of pages of, of hard thinking, he, he, he breaks down what um, the categories of what people might ordinarily consider art into different things. One he consider one art you know, is of course the one he's defining, but he distinguishes that from something he calls magic, I believe. And magic would be like fairy tales and myths and legends. And that is the category into which I think superheroes should fit, but I don't think they're, fu- they're filling, I don't think they're fulfilling the role that they should in a culture. Then you look at Erterul, and I think that Erterul fulfills that. He He's kind of like the King Arthur or the Odysseus of um, like, present-day Turkish culture. And I say present-day Turkish culture because I'm talking about Ertuğrul in this TV show. Because, of course, there are legends about the real er- Ertuğrul, but um, but no one really knows much, if anything, concrete about the real Ertuğrul who lived 18, eight, 800 years ago. He's been mythologized. Yeah, he's been totally mythologized. So I think the first legends of Ertuğrul were, were only written like 200 years after his death or something like that. So it's pretty much... And they utilize some of those legends from the the official sources from those 200 years later in creating the narrative of this show, but it really is, Ertuğrul in this show really is entirely the creation of the writers of the show. So they've got a free hand to pretty much do whatever they want with him and to create like a totally awesome, badass character who checks all the boxes of what a hero should be. And that is, I think, well, I don't know if that's why we don't lack a character, lack a, a hero. We just, the, the people that should be tasked with that role in English speaking culture just haven't managed to, to do so maybe because they don't think it's, um, it's worthwhile. Like this is where postmodernism might come into play. Um, well, one of the reasons I'm, I'm going to go on a little sidebar here about well, modern writers. Maybe before you do that, Harrison, cause you made a lot of, uh, good observations there that I would just like to flesh out a little bit before the sidebar gets, uh, pursued. Mm-hmm. And that is that, like you're talking about these superhero genre of movies and the, the Marvel movies in particular. And I would just add that it's all about the spectacle. All of the character developments that we see in these movies are all designed or written to facilitate the big action sequence, which is fun as far as it goes, but has the, you know, the, the depth of a thimble. Uh, it, it's kind of like cotton candy. I mean, it's good for about three seconds and, and then the empty calories set in and, and you're, you, you can't take any, much of anything away uh, from it except perhaps the, 
the visual or how cool that looked. Um, you mentioned the Odyssey and the Iliad in particular. And um, one, of the, one of the most impressive features to me uh, about those books is the intervention or interaction of the gods with Odysseus and, and the main characters. The gods were interacting. Uh, Pallas Athene is on Odysseus's side, and despite all of his travails, and he goes through a number of, of uh, journeys and uh, struggles, uh, I mean, at one point he's on, he's on the island of, um, I forget the name of the island, but he's basically seduced by, by one of the characters there, and he's there for 10 years uh, trying to get back home to his wife and son. But Pallas Athene is, is constantly in the, in the background doing what she can to facilitate his, his journey and what he is, what he's been, what's in him to do. And similar uh, to Erderul, uh, something we haven't really gotten into yet is his interaction, his fascinating interaction with Ibn Arabi. Which is uh, j just an just an interesting backstory here. When we were researching the uh, the merciful uh, uh, the, um, the 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 limited the unlimited mercifier Stephen Hurtenstein's book uh, about Ibn Arabi some months ago, Harrison, you were looking for YouTube information on Ibn Arabi, mm -hmm. and that's how we came across Erderul because there was this little dramatization. So you have this great mystic spiritual figure Ibn Arabi who has no small part to play in Erderul's journey he is the this kind of uh, intermediary this uh, this holy assistant to Erderul it's like his Merlin his mm -hmm. yes that's a yeah. good analogy and uh, there is through through Erderul's humility through his prayers through his struggles that sometimes get answered quite directly by ibn arabi's assistants through ibn arabi's prayers through his uh asking the universe for assistance to erderul there there again like the odyssey is this uh this faith in the hierarchy of, of spiritual value, that there are things above uh, the individual hero that he relies upon for assistance. Uh, and this is the, this kind of goes against a lot of the spectacle that we see in the sense that, you know, everything is reduced to the, the powers and the will that Iron Man has in his, in his costume and his will to do right. Uh, or any of the other characters. There is no kind of cosmic connection, if you will, mm -hmm. that uh, is demonstrated so well and so dramatically in, the, in this particular program. And, and that might be part of his superheroism, the fact that he, he is willing to acknowledge, has to acknowledge, the fact that he can't do it alone, that 
there are forces at work that he's hoping to be assisted by, that he's put his faith into, that, that help him to carry his mission forward, which is to fight injustice. And it's also one of the reasons why, in, in the context of the stories, how he's able to see the machinations of, of those around him uh, far earlier and, and with much greater vision uh, than any of the surrounding characters. And he's, he's burdened with this responsibility, but he takes it on because he can't, with his intuition, completely explain how it is that he understands things and, and the people that are uh, plotting against his tribe and, and against the larger Islamic world in the story. But because he's the hero, he will, he will act as much as possible on his understanding. Uh, and even at the expense of you know, the way that others around him, his, his family, for instance, and his tribe perceive him. Like, oh, Erdogan is off doing his own thing again. And, and these are you know, the, the responses, which are quite normal in a, in a sense. You know, if you're looking from a distance at what Erdogan's doing and you don't quite understand his vision, his bravery, his intelligence, uh, you know, are, are, they're great kind of dramatic devices to convey just one of the many types of struggles that this character has to uh, face within himself as he, as he continues forward. And... You know, you, you might make an analogy, if you will, of anybody who's looking at any of the major kinds of world events and issues that we're looking at today. Of course, we have a bias. We think we're right about certain things. But I propose that there is a little bit, a little bit of heroism in anybody who's willing to, in their own way, stand up for certain, um, under, for truth and understanding in, in what is a, a sea, a morass of lies and injustice that's being encroached upon many millions of people right now. I think, um, not to delay the sidebar, but um, I think you, you bring up an interesting point, and that is that uh, Erterul is a religious man. And that's part of where the calling comes from for him. Like, what's the point of fighting injustice? Like, what, you know, who cares? What's the point? Well, it's because it's, you know, a dictate from God. God is calling him to, to fight for the oppressed. He's on a mission from Gad. He's on a mission from Gad. <laughs> and it's, like, I, I could be totally wrong here, but it doesn't seem like God exists in Western cinema, yeah. by and large. Mm-hmm. So what's the point? And, and like, I mean, it totally makes sense now. Like why, um, you know, this, this kind of fervor for uh, truth uh, isn't really seen in the West because it, God is dead here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a real shame uh, for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because like without God, there's no reason to... Like again, like fight for the oppressed and seek truth and justice and and so on. So yeah, I thought that was a really 
uh, interesting point to uh, kind of explain why uh, there haven't been really good, deep uh, heroes in the West mm-hmm. because they don't have that the higher uh, the higher powers yeah. uh, calling to them. I, I think that's why Lord of the Rings and Star Wars are successful is that they yes. may not, th- they're fantasies, but they incorporate that in their own ways. Of course, in Lord of the Rings, there's the whole, there's a whole mythology that uh, Tolkien created for it. And in Star Wars, you've got the force. So just like Ibn Arabi might be Erturul's Merlin, he could also be his Yoda, you know, this this almost this almost well this saintly being that has supernatural powers <clears throat> so bringing in this element this this fantastical element but which um for a religious person is actually part of you know part of their worldview part of their reality that the supernatural supernatural things like this do exist and do happen that's of course totally rejected by the by the mindset by the postmodern by the materialist mindset and that's prevalent today which is a detriment to even our works of science fiction and fantasy where such things can be can be implemented i mean even dune manages to do it without and dune manages manages to do it frank herbert in a manner that's um it's still sciency right it's a science fiction novel but there's this element of otherworldliness to to that story and that's that, that that will be one of the reasons why Erturil works. Um, that's another thing I want to talk about. But first, I'll I'll do the sidebar. Um, I want to talk about the characters in Erturil first of all, um, compared to characters in Western media. One of the things that I don't like about most modern Western stories is the villains, either the villains or the lack of villains, because the villains are either just um, boring boring evil which is just kind of evil for the sake of being evil but not really scary evil because evil should be terrifying like uh, a, a true a true villain should be terrifying kind of like Hannibal Lecter like Hannibal Lecter's a scary dude um, you know in the in uh, Silence of the Lambs which we watched recently um, but there's I'll talk about the lack of villains because there's a tendency to portray a character as um, as evil, you know, as a bad guy, and then do the switcheroo on you, right? So this happened in the the latest um, season of the Haunting series. The you know there was the Haunting of Hill House, and then there's the Haunting of Bly Manor. So they they portray this one character as like just this really devious Machiavellian guy, and then in one episode, all of a sudden, boom! Oh, here he is, and here's why he's so bad. Here's the bad things that happened to him. He was so mistreated by his dad, and and th- that's what made him this way. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it afterwards, and just just how um, I think it shows just how little psychological insight most people have, um, or maybe not most people. How most Hollywood writers, how little psychological insight most Hollywood writers have, because yeah, a, a bad childhood can do things to a, a person and and uh, screw them up in many ways. But it doesn't turn them into a psychopath. I'm sp- I'm talking specifically about the about the psychopath as a you know a diagnosable personality disorder. They have particular personality characteristics that can't be created in a just in a in a in a, in a 
in a regular abused or traumatized person. So when you portray a character as a psychopath and then you pull the switcheroo on them, on the audience, it's, it's totally unbelievable. But for a lot of these writers and for a lot of people watching it, it is believable because they only know it from watching, from watching TV and from watching movies. They don't, they don't know what, peop- what the, the varieties of human beings are actually like in the real world. Or if they, if they do, they can see through it because a lot of people have had, had an interaction with a psychopath. But the bad, the, going back in the other direction again, the, the negative influence of these, dram- of these dramatizations is that if you have encountered a psychopath in real life, now you may be more willing to follow the psychopath's manipulations by believing, believing him when he says, oh, it was just my bad childhood that made me this way, when really there's, there's not... He's pretty much just a, a soulless individual. There's nothing there. There's nothing that made, him that made him that way from his childhood. I mean, that's pretty much just the way he was born, um, you know, since childhood. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I've... But Jordan Peterson has recommended, so I'm going to check it out, the novel and movie called uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, which is apparently um, a story about a psychopath, a psychopathic child, which of course is a controversial topic. We're not going to get into that. But uh, basically, psycho- psychopaths are psychopaths since the time that they were children. And um, parents, you know, parenting styles will not make a difference one way or the other. It may, it may influence what kind of psychopath they're going to be, whether they're like a, uh, uh, like a street criminal versus a you know a white collar criminal but it's not going to change their personality structure so summarizing that point when we have when we have an evil character there's this tendency among writers to give them some depth to to you know the, the actors asking oh what's my motivation oh well here's your motivation i'm going to i'm going to write you the best motivation right and it turns out to be total crap but part of that is because who are the type of people that write stories that write these Hollywood things. They're open, you know, people who are open on that personality dimension of the, of the big five. They've got open personalities. They're, they want to look, they, they want to look deeply. They want to find their reasons. They want, they don't want to just see the surface narrative. They want to get into that nitty gritty. So they create these, these stories. They, 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 in their imagination and through their creativity, they're the ones that will look at a, a person and say, oh, well, what could have made him that way? And they'll come up with a story, a narrative to do that. Whereas someone who isn't very very high on openness. They're not going to be writing stories because it's a waste of time. At least that's the way they see it. And they're just going to say, that guy's just a son of a bitch. You know, that guy's just an evil asshole. And that's that, right? So there are benefits to both sides, but you're not going to get those guys writing stories. The people writing the stories are the people that are going to be trying to look for the, the you know, the, the, the sympathetic, the, the sympathetic, you know, the, what, what do you call it? The um, wounded child. Yeah, the 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 wounded child within the the rough exterior, right? The the beauty in the beast, um, and oftentimes it just doesn't work. And then so you've got that, and then you've got the just the the shallow, evil superhero villains that just aren't very charismatic and are just placeholders for here's your evil supervillain, and that's those are pretty much your options. You don't have very many. There are a few like Joker, yeah. And the Joker was great, yeah. yeah. And and of course, both Jokers are great, um, but few and far between to actually find those. So when you actually go to a, a more cheesy format, you might say, or just like um, you can find depictions of evil, like stereotyped depictions of evil that are actually really good because there are people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you get with Ertrul because I'd call Ertrul it's half. 
like half Game of Thrones, half um, Young and the Restless, <laughs> because it's uh, it's like a family show. It's designed it's designed and written to be watchable by the whole family. So it's PG, you know, all of the and it's kind of funny because I guess this is Turkish cens- censorship requirements. Pr- almost but not all of like the wounds even if it's just like this little cut the blood is blurred out so whenever there's like a a, a wound whether it's even just a I, i've noticed in recent set, re- recent episodes it could just be blood even if it's like a, a bloody dish from the doctor who's wiping a wound the bloody dish like the, the bloody water in the dish will be blurred out or it can be like this giant gaping wound or this pustule or something like they they, they that's the kind of that's the kind of show you're watching right so you're not going to be getting gore the you know the levels of which you'll find in like Game of Thrones or something. Um, there's there's no nudity, there's no sex. It's, it's a family show, so there's lots of fighting, lots of killing, of course. But it's kind of stylized. Um, it's not super realistic. Um, but there's this young and the restless element where you see all the dynamics going on in this tribe. You see the family dynamics. You see the the dynamics between uh, like the, the the fights and the conflicts between in relationships and between people in the tribe. And so you get all of this entire microcosm of life, essentially. So that's one of the great, the great things about the show is that it's got everything in it. It's got family, it's got conflict, it's got inter-tribe conflict, it's got politics, it's got spies and, and, uh, and wars and, and, um, scheming and conspiracies and all this stuff and lions and tigers and bears yes yeah it's got everything it's got a it's got a what a hundred bad guys with swords it's so it's got all of this stuff and within this like ilan was saying you have the villains you've got the either the either the evil you know mongols or crusaders but within the mongols and crusaders you have some some characters who you you have that attempt at almost hyper-realism, but it's not hyper-realism, it's just realism. You have um, sympathetic characters in, in all these camps, even if, for the most part, the, the bad guys are, are bad guys, right? So, you know, you've got the evil crusaders, and most of them are evil, um, some humorously so. And But you do have some complex characters, and even, mm-hmm. even likable and respectable characters, even if they're villains. Mm-hmm. You can see where they're coming from, even if you, even if you don't agree with them. So, the, it's actually, basically, it's just got good characters. But... The, you also mentioned the, the, the villains within the tribe. So it's not just baddies on the outside that you're fighting against. There are, like in any group, you've got the, the people within who are evil. This is, a, this is, again, this is why I, I praise it for its realism in this department, is that there's always someone within your own group who's going to be causing trouble, whether it's collaborating with evil people, whether it's not just, whether it's just not seeing the situation objectively or whether it's wanting their own gain as opposed to, um, in, in conflict with the, you know, the, the, the well-being of the tribe. Um, you've got greed, you've got, you know, power hungriness, you've got all of these things going on. And some of these characters like the, the, the evil treacherous bastards in the midst of the tribe are often the worst villains. Mm -hmm. And, and they are so well done. The one of the greatest things about this show is the actors because the actors are so good, and the the and the the, the evil guys, the bad guys, you just come to hate these people because they are so evil. <laughs> yes. And uh, and they lie to your face, right? And all of the all of the worst aspects of like of of an evil person, you find them 
in in some of these guys and that's kind of what makes it enjoyable because these are actually really good villains and sometimes there's an explanation for it sometimes they've been misled or, or manipulated but sometimes it's just you you've just got someone that's pure evil and those kind of people do exist that's the thing is that um that's the thing that open open hollywood writers sometimes forget is that there are real people on the earth who are just absolute sons of bitches mm -hmm. and i wonder if that's um part of i mean just just the uncomfortable just it's such an uncomfortable fact mm -hmm. of life to know that like there's some people you just can't redeem mm -hmm. there's some people you just can't do anything with except put them in a hole somewhere <laughs> and walk away mm -hmm. and that's a really uncomfortable thing because it undermines a lot of positions that you know people who are open minded or mm -hmm. or open mm -hmm. let's say uh it undermines a lot of positions or values that they have and, and ways that they think people should be treated and stuff. It's like, I mean, that might work for a lot of people, but not everyone. Cause like you said, some people are just, you know, they're sons of bitches and <laughs> there's nothing you can do. And like we recently watched an episode that conveyed a lot of this in one of the evil characters from within the tribe who, who after, you know, smiling and, and yesing his superiors who are trying to do the right thing, he goes into a full-blown narcissistic rage. And I thought, that's perfect. <laughs> that's exactly what we, what we understand uh, dramatically reveals the truth of a, of a lot of people in positions of power who aren't getting their way mm -hmm. and whose egos and whose self-importance and whose ambitions uh, get threatened with the truth and with the, uh, the, the kind of dynamics of, of healthy relationship building and, and constructive behavior. That's how they respond. But I did want to get back to uh, the, the, the drama of the show, as you put it, Harrison, because there were so many, you know, as you were saying, there is so much about family dynamics and, and even secondary characters and major characters whose uh, very human responses to um, the the drama unfolding uh, makes all of the heroics uh, all the more believable and satisfying once those heroics, those actions, those triumphs are achieved. Uh, the The viewer is earning those triumphs with the hero. the The viewer is. Um, exasperated after many episodes of struggle and real deep um, internal uh, struggle and strife to, to deal with the situation uh, on, a, on a very personal level. And we're talking, about, we're talking about tears, we're talking about prayers to do the right thing, we're talking about uh, desperate anguish on the part of uh, many of the major characters as they as they are facing these uh, these these scenarios one after the other after the other in some cases it's a level of suffering that you just don't see anywhere else it, it's so it it seems almost unending which is yeah. you know pretty real yes because it never really ends but you don't see that in like you know superhero movies and the Marvel movies like you just don't get that kind of deep suffering that deep 
anguishing pain of you know wanting to to do good and and praying to god to help to ask for guidance you, you just don't get it but when you when it actually comes to fruition and like it gets resolved like oh it's so beautiful and there's a there's a particular story arc of a particular person that i'm thinking about right now who like after you know all of this time of just like thinking the worst about this person mm -hmm. and oh my gosh they were horrible oh, yeah. <laughs> uh there's a redemption story that's so beautiful mm -hmm. it's so amazing and wonderful and yes. i like i wanted to stand up and applaud mm -hmm. uh at that moment because it was just so great because the, the it's the way it's conveyed dramatically you everything is earned all of her struggles uh, all of her making amends with all of you know the the family members uh not to give too much away here but when she finds it in her heart and she too has to draw upon uh, ibn arabi's assistance um when all of this happens it you're you know, you are in some way experiencing this, this catharsis and this elevation. And that's something I, I haven't experienced in, in many shows or, or movies at all. And something else I wanted to add is that, you know, we, we were watching uh, the follow-up to Star Trek The Next Generation some time back, uh, Picard. And the plot and the characters, there were some good ideas, but... It didn't breathe. You were bombarded with plot point after plot point uh, and and ideas that okay now this is happening, okay that now that's happening, and there was uh, unlike resurrection or to rule, there was there was no you know you, you, there was no there's nothing that allowed you as a participant in this drama uh, to to breathe, to assimilate the developments that were going on. And it became less a journey than it was an effort to convince you that you were being told a good story. Okay, uh, several, several points I gotta get through. One, nasty women. <laughs> Like, because we're talking about the villains. Like, oh, th yeah. this show has some amazingly nasty women. Oh, yeah. Like, just the... <laughs> Um, just the the best, just the best, the best women villains ever. Um, and again, I'll contrast this to to Western narratives where, um, yeah, I mean, maybe there are some there are some good female villains, but what I find in a lot of shows is that not just women, the characters are portrayed as um, I'll use a nice word. I'll just say nasty, like nasty, but you're supposed to like them. Like people, basically, they're unlikable people who are put in the in the position of being like your protagonist. So sometimes they might be redeemed, but sometimes that's just the character, and you're supposed to like them, even though they're pretty reprehensible as people. Again, that might have its place. Um, you know, I can see it working in some instances to to get across that point, or just that there are you know shitty humans out there. But it's almost in a, in a lot of in a lot of stories, it's presented as, as almost, if not ideal, just as a, as somewhat something of a good thing. Whereas in this show, you actually like we've talked a bit about the variety of characters. You have 
um, you have characters like the one being referenced who, uh, or well, a couple of them who, who you don't like. Basically, you're watching it and you don't like this person for very good reasons, and then they go through a process and they actually find redemption. Then you have the just out and out totally evil characters. Then you have the, some that are just a, a little less evil, who are still bad guys but don't have the same level of like mendacity and just out outright evilness. And then you've got characters who are just maybe over emotional. Like they've got they've got their own flaws that and that create conflicts in certain ways and they're frustrating to watch like those are the fr- those are the most frustrating scenes to watch for me personally is you see someone just making a really dumb decision and just behaving like a total douchebag and then you've got the characters who kind of are just genuinely decent people they might be they might be simple you know they might be might not be very smart and there's one character who's just great who's not very smart but who's just extremely lovable and then you've got the like the the smart people, and then you've then you've got Ertrul, who is really the um, kind of he is the hero of the show. He is the he's kind of almost this like uh, almost this perfect being, but believable at the same time. He's I wouldn't say maybe perfect isn't the way to put it. He's just the kind of guy that is a born leader and who has all of who has a good character and who has all the features of a person that you would admire in real life. Um, he, he kind of, he represents that class of people that anyone would admire who is around them or any decent person, because there are a subset of people who will hate a person like that and want to tear them down strictly. Well, actually, because he's such a good person. So there's this range of, of characters that you don't find. Like the, the range, the range in this show is, is greater than if you would take uh, a whole number of Western shows and put them together, the range in Ertrul between the characters is still greater than all the characters in all those other shows. There's just so much more depth. And I'll just give one example of the, the frustration of watching some of these characters. Like there, oftentimes there's, it's usually a young guy who, who is pretty much run by his emotions. And you can, and you can see this and it's, it's really frustrating to watch, right? Because the stakes are high because this is a, this is 800 years ago. This is like a, you know this medieval tribe that uh, it's a very violent society right if you if you make a mistake or if you just run into the wrong, the wrong guy bandits on the the side of the road you're going to get your head chopped off or something like that so the stakes of being in the wrong place at the wrong time or of being accused of something or being falsely accused of something are very high so you often see um, again often the young men who let their their anger get the better of them and almost create like this catastrophe because of course as the viewer you know they're wrong they're making the wrong choice this one of the one of the recurring kind of plot devices or storylines mm-hmm. is is this person who's falsely ac- accused right so let's say someone dies and even if there's just a small bit of evidence pointing towards someone as the culprit the this guy will latch on to that as evidence and now he wants revenge he wants to he wants to then kill this person who's either been set up or who is just, um, you know, a victim of circumstance, and and the <laughs> watching these like the actors are great, right? So you see, and the the reason it's frustrating is because it's so real. Because you can you can see this in real life how people get carried away by their emotions, but the sometimes they might do bad things, but sometimes there might be a a, re, uh, a redemptive moment where they're actually shown that they're wrong. And they actually have to deal with the fact 
that they have made this huge error in judgment because they let their emotions get the better of them. And so that's why I'd call this almost, this is a form of magic, as, as Collingwood called it, because it, it, there is a moral to the story sometimes, a lot of the time, well, most of the time. <laughs> There's a moral to the story. There's something that you can actually learn from, something that kids can learn, learn, learn from to actually form their character from a young age so that they see what justice is. They see what, the mis what mistakes people can make by taking certain paths by not looking at the evidence, by letting their emotions get the better of them, by, um, you know, leaping before looking. And, and it can reaffirm those, those values for someone that's uh, a bit, you know, a bit older than being a child. So there, there's just so much in it that is kind of, well, I'd say food for the soul mm -hmm. that, that is totally lacking. So this is coming back to this imbalance where, that's what's lacking even in these superhero movies because in the superhero movies there's there's nothing really in them that that I would say well there is some you know there's a, a little bit of of good messages of something that will actually reaffirm or in or create or instill the kind of values that go towards uh, a virtuous character uh, forming a virtuous character forming virtue within oneself and um, and this kind of provides that this gets into um, one of my other points, well, actually on, on that subject of the range of characters, there's also, I mentioned how this is kind of a microcosm of, of life because you see everything going on in this tribe, all the kinds of relationships. And so one of the good things, one of the, the great things really about the first season was there's a great love story to it. And it's not just a great love story, but within this microcosm, you have all of these relationships and you see air to rule and not just air to rule, you see men um, well, I'd, I'd say you see what a real man should be by watching this show mm -hmm. and you see how a man can treat a woman and in a positive way, like you see some really good examples of, of chivalry, chivalry and intersexual relationships. Um, and no, that's not a post, I don't mean to in, imply something postmodern, um, just relations between men and women between women and women, between men and men, all the, all different types of relationships in this show, you see how they can play themselves out and you see positive examples of, of what's going on and you see family, you see like the, the when I said that Ertrul is kind of like the, uh, the, the, the epitome of this show, like he, he has all the, all the good qualities. Not only is he a, a good husband, he's a good father and he's intelligent, he's insightful. He's, he's got depth to him. He's the one who can, while everyone else is maybe like looking. Oh, here's one scene. Okay, they have a uh, they have a battle. They have a great victory, and his troops, his Alps, discover a bunch of booty, you know, and of gold, and they're all happy. They're looking. Oh, this is such a great haul. Look at all this money. I've never seen so much money. They're all smiling, and Ertrul's looking at it, and he's got this serious face, and so they're all just seeing the gold. And he sees, um, this is actually from Ibn Arabi. Um, I think, I think in Ibn Arabi he talks about like the, the left eye and the right eye, how we see in 3d because we have two eyes that are slightly, you know, off looking at things from a different angle. And that's what gives depth perception. But in Ibn Arabi, there's, uh, uh, another dimension to that. So one eye sees the, sees the surface narrative and the other eye is what sees the unseen.
it sees the it sees the the hidden implications or the context or just the the thing that that the the one eye on it by itself won't see. So everyone in this scene is all happy about this gold, and Ertrul's got this serious look on his face. First of all, he's not letting the the emotion of the crowd get to him, so he's showing his own he's demonstrating his own individuality that he's not he's not moved by or not controlled by the emotions of the crowd. He's his own person, and he's got this serious look on his face, and he says, you know what this gold is? This is the gold that would have been paid for, you know, to the mercenaries that kill our people, you know, to the, to the assassins and to, to, the, to the conspiracies and all this stuff against us. And so he's, even though it's great to find all this gold and it can now be put to good use, he sees what it was for, and he sees kind of the, the unseen. So this is, this is this example of the, the depth of perception that this character has that the others don't. And that's why he's their leader, that's why he is leaders because they see, they they see that in him too, and then he can act as the as the both the lightning rod and as the 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 exemplar for people to follow. He's the one that can set the can set the tone for for certain events. So when everyone else is freaking out, he can be the one that remains calm and says and and says no, like no, let's let's do this. Or if everyone else is saying, oh, this person's evil, he can say. No, let's 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 uh, calm down here and look at the actual evidence. Um, so you, this is this element of the what I'd call the multi-levelness of the show, is it? And this is that that variety of of humans, the 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 depth and the range of human types and human reactions. Is that you have very simple people, very simple reactions, mm-hmm. all the way up to Ertrul, who has who has this. Um, this ability to see more and to react more and, and uh, a greater depth of emotion. And then this coming back to the, to the, the microcosm, this has an effect in his relationships too. So he knows how to treat people. You know, he, he is respectful to his wife he might tease her every once in a while, but he's respectful to her and he's respectful to his mother and his, and his father. Um, and, at, but at the same time, He's his own person, right? If something is wrong, he's not going to go along with something just for the sake of, uh, well, for the sake of anything. You know, if he thinks, if he knows something is right or wrong, he's, he's, he's going to act accordingly. And also, he's a great father. Um, one of the great things, I don't think I've seen this in any other shows, is a, such a, a positive depiction of fatherhood. Um because spoiler alert he does have kids and like you know that's kind of the whole point of the story because i don't think we mentioned it at the beginning ertrul is the father of osman who um, goes on to found the ottoman empire and again both of those characters both ertrul and osman are kind of historical um black holes like no one knows anything really about them with certainty so again wide open for interpretation <laughs> um but in the in the one scene where where Ertrul first finds out that his wife Hallie Mae is pregnant, he he's just uh, he's so joyful, and you just don't see that. You he's, know? He he conveys heart. Mm-hmm. He conveys joy. He conveys empathy. Uh, like you said, he he can be the uh, the lightning rod, the center of the storm. Uh, he's. Quite the often, the the one that knows exactly what the appropriate response is to a particular uh, struggle or action, 
And I wanted to add that something, it's funny because we, you know, we've been watching this program with a few other people. And um, if, you're, if you've been conditioned to have a low attention span and thrive on the spectacle, then many of the reaction shots and the musical cues that uh, enhance the drama of a particular interaction or a struggle or a conversation that's got all of this emotional and psychological weight, um, then, you know, I, I've noticed some people get a little impatient with it, but I love it because what it does is you're, you're watching the faces of these actors and you're, you're clued in as to what they might be or must be thinking it right at that moment. So there's all this metacognition of, you know, there's, there's, you're, you're realizing there's such good actors that on their faces, you know, okay, that's what they're thinking in response to that character. So you have lines and lines and lines of script of story that's just told in how these characters are expressing themselves non-verbally, which is a, a, a big distinction. It's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what the format of the show lends itself to, because there's so many episodes. Um, which we may need to go ahead and just give a uh, a warning. <laughs> if any of you all are thinking of watching Ertarol, this is a very... Like a lifetime commitment. It's a lifetime <laughs> commitment. There's a serious uh, number of episodes. What Each episode like proper episode is two and a half hours long and there's something like 30 or something. So it's like the entire cinematic, like Marvel universe, like all 23 or those, however many of those movies, it's like all of those for one season of earth rule, which I mean, it's great because it gives it so much room to just kind of play with different uh, aspects of things. And it gives it room to, to breathe and to, explore different avenues and different things um but at the same time it's not something that you can binge watch yeah like ever no (laughs) yeah and and the thing of it is it you know it'll so um another kind of spoiler uh but not a big one major characters die sometimes tragically and so uh when even if you don't particularly like these characters it's still, if you're even halfway invested in the show, it's painful. It's like I, more than once I have, I have caught myself go, oh, my God, <laughs> this is really terrible. Because uh, you know that the show is going to go there. You're not just going to see and experience the tragedy. But you are going to watch the responses of these very good actors uh, very realistically convey their utter um, anguish and 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 the and the the very likely uh, emotions that are that are going to arise out of it and and that's a good that's a good point because like the you know, like you were saying this is you know 800 years ago this is like medieval you know technology it's like they're still doing uh, bloodletting which isn't necessarily bad or you know not a good thing to do but it's it's a very primitive thing. So a cut, it can be dangerous. It can be deadly. So when, I mean, sometimes it's kind of like, it's kind of silly the way they, they go over the top uh, with with certain incidents. But but a lot of times, like, it, it, is, it is deadly, and they, they don't know 
if uh, someone's going to make it through. And like you said, they do kill major characters. Mm-hmm. So you sometimes you just you don't know what the show's going to do. Well, I want to get back to a point you mentioned a little earlier because uh, you said that it it's um, it is like one part. Uh, young and the Restless. It, this is a yeah. soap opera in, yeah. in some ways, no question about it. <laughs> Albeit uh, one of the best soap operas I think you're likely to see. Uh, but I would add also that in terms of the, the nasty women, the, 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 the villains that have been uh, created who are sometimes women, uh, even if it takes the format or the form of soap opera, more than once, I was watching the the high level of drama and thinking lady macbeth mm-hmm. because uh it it might not have the literary prose quality of shakespeare for instance but everything else is right there uh and and in that sense and you you'd have to see it to to understand um to to experience it i suppose there is this very high level of drama. And, you know, we've watched a show and, and we've joked about the musical cues and the, the rattling of, you know, the rattlesnake tail when an evil character comes into the scene. And, and there are these tropes about the, the tension being, you know, ratched, ratcheted up and up. And, and there are conventions that are kind of obvious and maybe even a little hokey. But there's so much, so much else in this program that is um of a higher level that you forgive all these all these things even the mistakes on the show even the plot Mm -hmm. devices that were just you know like oh my god that that was what what you know what were the writers thinking there that was the that was really stupid but but there are enough of these other other turns of the narrative and 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 plot developments that are so well uh fleshed out from scene to scene to scene that you're you're dazzled a little bit i think by its um by the 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 fleshing out of the whole thing yeah and not it's refreshing yeah well yeah it's refreshing and it's also uh novel right mm-hmm. like this isn't something I've, I've never seen a show like this before in like the best way um and so it is it's good on those two levels where it's new and it's refreshing um and also just on its own on its own merit it's good you know it takes what it does and it does it well it's not perfect mm-hmm. you know i'm one of the, i'm one of the people who's like okay we we get it you don't have to go through like every <laughs> single person's face like three times before you move on to the next you know the next scene mm-hmm. um but but Again, a, even without its perfection, without perfection, it's good. But you know what, Adam? I, I want to comment on that for a moment because uh, we've all we've all had experiences that were psychologically and emotionally intense, right? We've all had dramas in our lives that forced us, compelled us to face our weaknesses, uh, confront others' weaknesses. Um, situations that seemed a little hopeless and and really challenging to us that were novel and what you get with this show pretty much on a every episode is is characters who are faced with you know dilemmas that are 
if not dilemmas that we've experienced personally, but that do convey that kind of people being brought to the limits of their being and having to make the choice in the moment of how to respond. And, you know, like we were saying, the actors are so good on this, on this show that you can't help get drawn in. You can't help watching them cry in slow motion after something horrible has happened and not feel some amount of, of pain. And, you know, and next thing you know, you've got tears running down your face and, uh, you know, you, you marvel over how much better an experience it is of a, a hero's tale than what we've been used to for so long. I think they all deserve an Oscar. Yeah, each and every one of them. Uh, I don't. I don't know how that would work exactly, but they all need an Oscar. <laughs> well, maybe we're gonna wrap up in a couple minutes. I just want to make one final comment on Ertuğrul as a, as a character, and of course, as the actor that plays him. Um, I forget his name. Of course, his first name looks like Engin, but I'm, I think it's Engin or Enyin. Uh, not sure how to pronounce it. He's great. Um, like, not only is the actor great, but the like I've like we've all you know said, Ertuğrul himself is just a great character. Um, and one of the reasons that he's great is because he's not only well, he's not totally emasculated, like a lot of the a lot of the depictions of fathers and men in TV in the West these days. He. But but he is sensitive, like he's very emotional. Not not like hysterical or not um, not overly emotional in the way I was describing the young men. He's got a depth of emotion, and pretty much all the characters at some point in the show will cry. Um, so he's he's a well-rounded character. You know, he's sensitive, but he's a total man. Um, he is extremely you know masculine there are great masculine characters just the, like there are great feminine characters like so if you actually want to sh- see a show with some real men and real women in it this show has it so like i was talking about odysseus and how he's a total badass well ertrol is a total badass too like this is one of the reasons well um this is a whole other subject but we did a couple of shows on salafi jihadism and one of the points that a lot of people like looking at the rise of um like hardcore islamism is that like like in ISIS and things like that? Is that 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 brand of like religious ideology is filling a hole, and it is it's a very what you might call a live option for a lot of people that is that that um, fills a hole that is lacking for a lot of people in Western cultures, a lot of Muslims in Western cultures. Um, there is this there there is and was this kind of hyper-masculine, like I'd say actually toxically masculine element in something like ISIS that is uh, a draw for a lot of, um, a lot of young men. And the, the good thing about this show is that the, that it's, it's not like that. It fills, it fills those holes or it can fill those, those holes, um, you know, those spaces that are lacking in what, um, what cultures can and should provide but it actually puts something good in its place. Like the, I think Adam earlier in the show, you talked about how this is a show about truth. Like this is about truth and justice and goodness and, um, 
and what I'd call actually universally good qualities, no matter what the what the culture or what the religion is. So, you know, as a as a Western Christian raised person, I can watch this show and totally identify with with the messages of of what's going on because there's that element of universality in it, whether intended or not. Um, it's there. You can you can watch the show and totally get behind Ertarul just because he is a uh, um, he is this virtuous like badass man. And uh, so if you want to like if if you you know it's got the best of all worlds basically. If you like watching superhero shows because you like watching you know badass dudes kicking the crap out of bad guys, it's like you can get that too. But you can get it from a from a human that had like a human character that has some depth and something actually worth looking up to and worth trying to emulate in your life to actually, to actually, um, introduce and then, um, manifest those, those virtues for yourself. And that's why too, I think it's a, a good show, it, a good show for young people too. Like it is designed for the family because it has all of this. And again, just something that's, pretty much lacking in most of the shows that uh, that we watch well i would just add that it it's even on some level consistent with the uh, thinking and writing of ibn arabi who drew upon the these the ideals the the uh the being of christ and moses and other religious figures sufism wasn't a exclusionary uh idea but it it also i mean yes it forged its own path but it it wasn't uh it wasn't so narrow that it couldn't recognize the greatness of being of other religious figures and there are even moments in this series where Erderul says you know he he doesn't have a beef with christians per se he doesn't have a beef with with other uh people of other faiths he he just recognizes that his own brand of uh, Islam is his path, and would even seek to fight for justice for any of the oppressed in the lands that he is trying to liberate from oppressors. So well, the, he he does think that his religion is the best religion, of course. Like he, you know, Islam is the truth, and but but he has respect for for Christians, you know. So if he sees Christians being oppressed by other Christians, he'll he will sympathize with those Christians. He'll still, he'll still try to convert them to Islam though. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it's not a, but he's not on a, he's not on a kind of uh, holy war to convert the world. He, he, he's, yeah, he is. <laughs> well, he, you know, ideally he'd like people to, uh, to follow in, in traditions cause that he believes in because it works for him. Um, but I, I'm not convinced that he, and and he does want to unite the tribes, and that's correct. But I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that he is. Uh, for instance, he used the ISIS. It, mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's well, standing he's not going to convert people. At, he's not going to convert people at the, you know, at the point of his sword. But he is out there to establish a world empire that will rule the world for for Islam. Like that's just part of the story. Just like if you were having a, you know, a, a King Arthur show, like historically accurate even if king arthur wasn't real you know it's to there's a there's an element of our religion is the best and we're going to bring it to the world like there is a um an element of 
what do you call it, uh, proselytization. So, I mean, but it's not like that. I'd just say that doesn't detract from the detract from the show in any way because Erturil is presented as a just person. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to forcibly convert anyone. He is going to present Islam as the best path, and he is going to get converts from from the Christians as he does in the show, and as happens in with any religion in any in any you know historical situation, you have mass conversions going on like that. But he's going, but but he is presented as a a person of good character and not as um, one of those, you know, convert or die type mm-hmm. yeah. people. And I would just say that that is, um, that is a, a virgin, a version of Islam that we haven't, uh, gotten very much in Western movies and portrayals yeah. Yeah. of, of, uh, mm-hmm. of Islam. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that, you know, even though it exists, even though that, even though there is a percentage, a very large percentage of people watching this show and having their natural moral taste buds mm-hmm. uh, fulfilled by this by this vision of a hero that is consistent with, you know, it, it's like it's like, well, what what would a hero of of Islam really look like? It's this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's. Well, well, that's another reason I think it's this. It's actually, it's a good show for the Islamic world too, because it shows, it shows a, a genuinely decent like is uh, Muslim hero, and you know not like some, um, well I don't want to swear some ISIS you know ISIS douchebag um, that you that you find spreading this kind of stuff. And and Ertuğrul is extremely popular. Um, it's it, it was just in the last couple of years was translated into Urdu, so it's playing in Pas- in Pakistan, and it's you know wildly popular over there. And of course, it's wildly popular in Turkey. But you will get these like uh, dumbass imams and stuff who come out with with uh, um, like basically denouncing the show because maybe maybe the women aren't covering their faces, even though they're they're wearing headdresses. Or uh, you know they show they sometimes show the women's hair or they've got just you know typically dumb reasons for for not liking the show not realizing that this is actually probably one of the best things that that uh, Islam could do for itself yeah. not only for 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 young Muslims around the world but for per- the perception of Islam in the in the eyes of non-Muslims. Yeah, there was uh, something I wanted to get back to um, that you were mentioning. Uh, as far as you know, Ibn al-Arabi, uh, and kind of how it it incorporates some of uh, what he wrote about uh, into the show, um, and that is, and it, it's something that came to my mind uh, from one of the commenters on one of our other videos, um, who was talking about the evolution of consciousness, um, and you know, it got me thinking about it and you know there's a couple of different ways you could define like what he's actually talking about as far as like you know what kind of consciousness are you talking about individual or collective and then there's uh evolution and what do you mean by evolution do you mean like just a change or do you mean an improvement upon but what i was thinking specifically was uh how ibn arabi at several points in the show has mentioned this same story or allegory maybe of being a, a it's it's always in response to Urtural going through some kind of great trial and tribulation 
some great suffering that he just can't seem to break free from mm -hmm. and can't seem to overcome. And he's just like, why, why is this, you know, God help me, you know, how do I do this? Why is this so bad? And Ibn Arabi's response is that, you know, if you have a piece of iron, like it's kind of worthless. But if you take that piece of, of iron and you throw it into the fire and then you hammer it out and you throw it back into the fire and then you hammer it some more and then you throw it in a fire and you hammer it out and you just keep going through that process, what do you get? You get a sword. Something that can protect and defend. Something that can serve a great purpose but had to go through immense suffering in order to be useful. And so in the same way... I think that is, you know, kind of a, like what the soul is meant to do. It's meant to go through the trials and the tribulations. And I think this show does a, a fantastic job of just hammering that home mm -hmm. <laughs> of, of what, of how you should respond to these kinds of, of trials and tribulations. You shouldn't um, respond to it by, by condemning the world and condemning God for it. Mm -hmm. It's to accept it and embrace it because then you know that it's it's a lesson that you can learn and grow from. It's kind of like it, it's telling you what's wrong. It's telling you you're a little bit weak here and you need to grow. And rather than saying like, you know, I'm perfect the way I am, you, you accept it as painful as it may be and you try to grow from it. And when you do that, guess what? You're not vulnerable to that anymore. Like, you know, Erterul was vulnerable to certain, you know, ploys and manipulations in the first season, which now he sees it from like 10 steps ahead. He's like, oh, I ain't falling for that no more. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great. And, um, yeah. So when, when people talk about like evolution of consciousness and, and stuff like that, I think this is like one of the kind of concepts that, uh, would really accurately portray what that really means. It's not like mm -hmm. something that everybody just, you know, smoke a lot of dope and meditate and then you're going to be all yeah. happy and, you know, perfect and mm -hmm. whatever. It's like, that ain't going to work. That's not how it works. You have to actually face the suffering. Yeah. Face the suck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. And uh, suck it up. Yeah. All right. Perfect place to end. So check out Air to Rule. Enjoy. <laughs>